Welcome to The Follow-Up, a weekly podcast that goes in-depth into projects recently reviewed on Brand New, featuring conversations with the designers and sometimes their clients, uncovering the context, background, and design decisions behind the work. Hi, this is Brian Gomez-Palacio, and welcome to episode 48 of The Follow-Up. This week, we're following up on Minecraft, a sandbox video game developed by Stockholm, Sweden-based Mojang Studios. Minecraft probably needs no introduction, as it is literally the best-selling video game of all time, with more than 235 million copies sold, and an infinite number of worlds created by the simple act of collecting resources and building freely. Minecraft now encompasses a wide universe of multiple editions, major updates, and spin-off games that attract over 132 million players each month. The project, designed in collaboration by Mojang's in-house team and Scandinavian agency Bold, was posted on Brand New on March 24, 2022. You can pull it up on your browser at bit.ly slash bnpodcast048. That is bit.ly slash bnpodcast048, all in lowercase. This week, we're joined by Michael Lanning, Creative Director at Bold Scandinavia, Martin Johansson, Senior Art Director at Mojang, and Harry Elonen, Senior Brand Manager at Mojang. In this conversation, we learn about the working relationship between Mojang Studios and Bold, where the typical agency and client model was successfully blurred so that the two teams could work together seamlessly. No big presentations, no big reveals, just a lot of working side by side. Or well, as side by side as the pandemic allowed. We also hear about how big an influence the pixel-based world of Minecraft informed the design approach which should come as no surprise, but it was still interesting to get the inside scoop and rationalization about how the blocky world manifests in the brand. It's hard to imagine Minecraft becoming bigger than it already is. And this conversation sheds light on how it plans to grow and expand as it straddles the line between gaming franchise and entertainment franchise. Now, let's listen in as Armin follows up with Michael, Martin, and Harry. Hello everyone, today we are immersing ourselves in the pixelated 3D universe of Minecraft to mine for some deeper insight about this great evolution. Harry, Martin, Michael, welcome to the follow-up. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you. Nice to be here. So that our readers can know who's who, if you can introduce yourself with your name and title. I'm Harry, I'm a senior brand manager for the Minecraft brand. I'm uh, Martin Johansson. I'm the senior art director of the brand direction team at Mojang. I'm Michael Lanning, creative director at Bold Scandinavia. Wonderful. Let's get started with you, Harry, so that we can get a sense for what prompted Minecraft to undergo this project. Given the success of Minecraft, I get the feeling that you could have left things untouched and the success would have continued uninterrupted for many more years. So what led Mojang to want to redesign Minecraft at this point in its history? Well, there's the strategic part and there's the more technical design part to that answer. So I'll start off with the strategic part and then I think, uh, Martin, you can go on with the more technical design parts even. 
First of all, the whole rebranding, and I really love that you say that we could have kept things as they are, because then <laughs> I assume that we are quite distinct and everything looks good. But a big driver for all the brand work is actually the strategic shift we are seeing as a franchise. A franchise is, is really growing, and we are growing beyond the gaming category or even the original gaming category, if you follow my thought. So we are really going into like multiple categories and with somebody might even say that we are almost like a big franchise now, like an entertainment franchise. So that was the kind of like one key aspect of this whole rebrand task. And really to succeed in this task, we had to take a holistic take on the branding. The whole intent of this work was really to create a strategic foundation for the Minecraft brand strategy, future architecture, and the visual identity system. The intent was really to support the growth plans and our future prospects. When you mention categories, can you give us a couple mm -hmm. of examples of what those categories that you're extending in are? We are extending already within gaming. As you probably know, we have Minecraft Dungeons, which is a totally different game. We are reaching into, or we have already services. We have broadcasting Minecraft Live. As you see, kind of like this franchise is growing. We have our consumer products offering is huge and we are seeing collaborations, for instance, just now and the Lacoste collaboration that just came out. So those are just examples of new categories we are touching upon. Do you know what year or how many years it's been since this expansion took off? Or has it been gradual where little by little mm. you have needed to expand into these different categories? I think Martin is best to answer this one. To give it a little bit of context, I joined Moja in 2015. And at the time, we were some 30 people in the Stockholm studio. A lot of good brand work was already made by Lydia Winters and Bubui, but especially uh, my boss, uh, Marcus Toivonen, also known as Junkboy, who set a lot of brand foundations, such as the logotype, ideas about the grid and how, you know, we can visually translate from the product into, you know, something more visual. But as we scale, you know, today Mojang is about 250 people. So we scaled wow. quite a lot during the last years. The knowledge was within people's heads needed to be translated into some sort of documentation. I mean, a lot of things has been done. It's really solid work quite rewarding just to do that as a foundation. But as we scale and also after the acquisition by Microsoft, we saw the need for creating, you know, guidelines for the brand. That's how we thought about it initially. And we also knew that it would be quite a huge undertaking just to, you know, translate all of these good ideas into something more visual. We set out early 2019 to plan. We started to execute early 2020. Just a little bit of context there. But from our side, you saw that we wanted to democratize the whole brand really into different teams in the company. I and mean, we're so huge now that, you know, the knowledge needs to be shared. There also wasn't any sort of logic or system in place, really. We knew that we needed to create that. That's where we started to have the conversation with Bold, especially Michael and also Harry, who at the time worked at Bold. Also, Oliver, who's a CD at Bold, who helped immensely. That's sort of where we started with it. So it's basically a lot of growing pains. As Harry says, we're expanding into multiple new arenas for us. That is some things we can talk about at this stage, but we're really, you know, going out to be something else than just a game. Could be perceived as an entertainment brand or a lifestyle brand. I mean, I don't really like to use those categories, but that is as close as I can get to define mm. where we are at our current state. Also, I have to echo Martin here. 
I always remember digging in to those first massive presentations and first massive conversations we had. And I remember thinking that, wow, there was like great branding work done before both Scandinavia and Michael and Oliver came in. The system of it all was not necessarily that clear, and we needed that system to be able to scale. That makes sense. Now, Michael, your name has been invoked already. How did Bolt get involved? And I understand that there was previous work that Bolt had done for Mojang Studios creating that identity, but how did that work translate into conversations about taking on this massive project? I can speak on this a little bit, but I think actually Harry is probably the best one to answer because at the time he was the client director for us. So maybe Harry, if you want to take this one. When we finished off the work with Mojang Studios, we definitely had a happy customer at the time. But we also knew as soon as we were diving into Minecraft and having those initial discussions, we all understood that we had a much harder task ahead. I'm not saying the Mojang Studios identity wasn't difficult to crack, not at all. But what I wanted to say is really that the system needed probably a little bit more thinking because suddenly we had this big brand in our hands that was situated in a multitude of categories with big growth plans and a universe that was everything but getting smaller. So that was really a challenge for us. And then at what point in this whole process did you go from Bold to Minecraft slash Mojang? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily year and date. <laughs> that was basically when we packaged up the work you see today around that time. So I um, jumped ship, as you said. The change for you from Bold to Mojang Minecraft is very recent. It's quite recent, yeah. But we've also okay. done a lot of work after that first batch of work, which we can't reveal yet. Which is always sad. <laughs> I always hate when people tease me with things that are great, but we cannot reveal it yet. So thank you. <laughs> Martin, maybe this is a question for you. What was the initial direction, challenge, or brief you gave Bold, Michael, and Harry in this case, just to get things started? We did an extensive audit on everything we've done visually so far. Every sort of documentation, any sort of guides that were there, and there are many. There are guides about animation, how we approach a hero art, or as we call it, key art. We also have game design documents and everything we've done, you know, by visual design, really. So we just dumped <laughs> shitloads on top of uh, Harry's uh, and uh, Michael's and also Oliver's heads. And then we started to have a conversation. But I think our initial point was that, and I think it was Oliver, the CDA Bold, who said this first, is simplify and amplify, really. So we wanted to take what was currently there, but we wouldn't want to put it in a structure, like a more of a modular structure. And that is also quite rewarding because Minecraft is a very elegant product in itself. It's pure math. Everything, you know, 16 by 16 pixel grids and all of that. That sort of logic was very easy to take and bring into the design work, I would say. Design is also fundamental logic applied and just took that part and brought it in. What made me super happy, and maybe you want to talk to this too, Michael, was that Bold got it really fast. They understood the logic and what was necessary, really. Mm. We also had an extreme inflation and different visual assets, too many logo types, not really systemized. A lot, basically. People were just running and doing their own thing, really. So there weren't any structure. And I think Michael brought that sort of sense or logic. So we laid a really, really solid foundation to build upon. And that is actually, just to wrap this up, that is also the foundation that we're sitting on right now. So we are actually very much scalable into the future. Mm. 
So, Michael, from that shitload of stuff that you were given, <laughs> what stood out as either the most challenging aspect of it or the thing that helped you kickstart the creative process on your end? I mean, yes, it's a bit daunting when you see that amount of stuff come in. Like you mentioned, I mean, there's a huge amount of things and maybe we can touch on that a bit more later. But initially, the biggest challenge from our point of view was going to be the internal alignment. There were a lot of big questions on the table and a lot of stakeholders invested in the outcome of a project like this. And things like, is Minecraft a gaming franchise or an entertainment franchise? We were still discussing at that point. Whenever you start fiddling with something as big and successful as Minecraft, there's going to be a lot of people that have a strong opinion. Immediately for me and the team, that's one of the things that really jumped out at us. And then, of course, that also sort of leads me into another challenging aspect was how do you refresh a brand as iconic as Minecraft without losing what made it what it is today? I guess that's a fairly common challenge in our industry, but this happened to be at a very large scale. So we needed to create structure without limiting creativity and make things function without stripping away the fun, essentially. On both sides, it was really important to all of us that the brand kept its quirky charm, that it still felt like Minecraft when we were done with it. Initially, I would say those were probably the two biggest things that stood out to me. Both of which sound impossible. <laughs> the idea of aligning such a giant, steering such a giant ship that is Minecraft, that has such an impact on such an insane amount of people, and then making sure that internally everybody's aligned with what's going to happen, because whatever you do, the ripple effect is insane. I'm always fascinated and also scared at the same time to hear when <laughs> projects like this take shape and how much of it is not so much about the design, but about the internal conviction that this mm. needs to happen. You mentioned that it would be nice to talk about the assets or the stuff that you saw. Can you expand a little bit on that? The first phase of the design development for us was really centered around creating this, like a new master brand for the entire franchise, as Martin had mentioned, and Harry also. The game had gone from just being a game to being a full entertainment franchise. So we needed to create something that felt familiar and closely connected to the game, but also capable of standing on its own and meeting the needs of new categories outside of gaming. Given what Martin said, it was really a process of simplification. Minecraft is a game where you can build anything. And in many ways, it felt like that's basically what had happened with the brand. It had grown quite organically, and they produced truly an enormous amount of assets over the years. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that come across my desk. I don't know the exact number, but it feels like thousands of logos and there's colors and there's guidelines on guidelines. And I mean, everything was built to suit a particular need at the time. But I think what stood out for them and what also stood out for us is this creates this really fun and spontaneous look that feels Minecraft. It doesn't feel wrong when you see it, but it also lacks a stable core and becomes more and more difficult to manage over time. When it comes to specific assets, it was both intimidating to see everything, but also fun to see everything because it really felt creative and kind of not the typical brand assets that you see. When you mentioned the idea of different guidelines in different times that you almost forget about, it reminded me of sometimes when my kids show me their worlds that they're building in Minecraft and they're walking me through it. And then they run into something like, oh, I completely forgot I had built this. And it's amazing. It's those things that you build and then you forget to use. But then they're still there, like lingering. And in the case of Minecraft, where things <laughs> mutate and things grow, you're like, oh, oh, crap, I should have tended to this a little bit more carefully. Martin, what was that process like? And you sort of hinted at it. You mentioned like resistance, right? Yeah. Some of this logical comes from Jens, you know, he's the lead creator for Minecraft. There's a lot of logic that we also used 
We made a little book. We call it Jens Little Green Book, but it's about game design logic, basically. And we also share that with Bold. It also gives you a lot of insights into the game mechanics, but also the game design and, you know, what Minecraft is and isn't. And I think that also gave us a good idea how to extend that into branding. And as a side note, maybe this is maybe putting Harry and Michael on the spot, but we are not like a conventional <laughs> client either. We're a creative studio. We have loads of creatives and we also have a long legacy with a game that is the best selling game of all times. Obviously, that puts a kind of pressure on board and they handle that very elegant through the whole process. I can see also that we as a company or as a studio has been quite challenging to work with as well, because there are a couple of truths in there. And there's also that sensibility towards, you know, our users that really need to take into consideration. Can't just do anything too crazy <laughs> with this, even though that we really push the boundaries here, I'd say a lot. Mm. Harry, can you confirm or deny how easy or hard it was to work with the Mojang team? <laughs> <laughs> I think... Putting you in the spot. Yeah, I'm a former athlete and I always love a good game. And I have to say that the work we did for Minecraft and Mojang Studios was one of my career absolute favorite games. And it's always like that. There is a clear trend nowadays that companies build in-house teams. And in this case, we had a very, very good in-house team with us. After like a couple of months, it really started feeling like this group of people having a great time together. <laughs> there were obviously challenges like every client relationship. There's always bad days and there's good days. We're human, you know? Yeah. But we solved them quite elegantly. At the end of the day, everybody had a good time. And you're all here with a mm. smile on your faces, so things turned out well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, Michael and Harry, what was the first big presentation that you gave to Mojang Minecraft? You know, was it just, here are logos, let's move on to the next thing, or was it more of a big picture presentation? One of the nice things about this whole project is that when it came to sharing the work, we didn't take the typical design presentation approach. Very early on in the project, we established that we wanted to operate more as a single collaborative team. I mean, there's so many talented people on both sides. It's like Martin said, that can be intimidating, you know, designing for designers. But in this case, it felt natural that we worked together. And I think it just improved the work. There were so many insights coming from the Mojang team. I mean, having, as you mentioned, Junk Boy designing the original logo to the team that eats and breathes Minecraft. We didn't go in with polished presentations or final recommendations. It was rather an ongoing conversation within this shared group where we could discuss ideas and iterate on key design developments. And I think that made a huge difference from the way that you often end up working when it's an agency-client relationship. Pretty interesting insight into how this worked out. And I imagine it became more difficult to do it this way with a pandemic. Can you speak a little bit about how that dynamic worked out remotely to get this done in that way? Mm. I mean, we started working in the worst phase of the pandemic. Like, I think we worked through like the first, second, and third wave of the pandemic, and everybody sat at home. But on the flip side there, I always felt we had a bubble almost. We met every morning at 9 or 9.30 and then we closed the day like just seeing where we are. And the team spirit that we created during the first batch of work was just quite significant. Obviously, I'll also never forget the really big and long meetings in the kind of like beginning of summer, <laughs> 30 degrees outside in Stockholm, and you sit very late in the evening towards, you know, the US to London and present these things. It was a very peculiar time. 
We launched this podcast as a result of the pandemic, so most of our 46, 47 episodes now have some sort of story tied to the pandemic. I'm hoping that we can stop asking that question soon enough, but it's still interesting, especially a project like this, where it's so much about the interaction between two separate teams that now are each completely separated. So let's move on from the pandemic into the logo. Again, like I'm not a Minecraft player, but my kids are, and I help them troubleshoot things and set up their servers and buy things. So I'm very familiar with the logo. It loads up, you see it, and everybody sees it. Was there any concern about touching it in any way whatsoever, given how recognizable and how iconic it is for so many gamers? Yes, it was. It was quite a challenge, and it took some time. I mean, the baseline was created by Marcus Toivon and Junk Boy, and that came out of, I think, Notch made the original logotype, but Marcus Toivonen made the one that we worked upon. And it's very, very classical, but I think being conversations, we already established the core brand logotype, which is the logotype without cracks. What Michael did, and also a designer called Victor Persson, who works with us, a really good designer who also made the Mojang Studios, we settled upon to find a perspective grid that really worked out well for us. And then we added fidelity to it, and then we broke it down into pixels, and then we looked at the details. The Minecraft logotype, or the Minecraft Vanilla logotype, had a couple of cracks that was quite organic. Those were sort of hand-drawn by Junk Boy, but then, you know, vectorized for resolution. But we looked at that quite a lot. Like, we didn't really know how to change it. And then I think probably Michael and Victor, they broke that idea that actually put the cracks within a grid. And that was a, quite a big change, I'd say. But it is not really recognizable. It is quite a big shift. So I think that was also, you know, from idea to execution was a long conversation because we were quite hesitant to begin with just touching. It's so iconic. Mm. But I think we innovated, but we stayed true to the system we set up. I think also Michael has a lot of points to that, but it was quite an endeavor, I'd say, even though it doesn't look like it, but it was truly. I mean, from the bold side, you know, it's both exciting and daunting at the same time. You know, it's a dream project to work on something like this with a brand that touches so many people. You really don't want to disappoint the huge fan base. And in the end, you want to create something that people will love and the brand will genuinely benefit from. So there's the excitement of getting to touch this iconic thing. But also, of course, there's always in the back of your mind that you really want to make sure you do not only a good job, but do a good job for the right reasons. So the actual execution of the final logo, was that on Mojang's end or Bolt's end or somewhere in between? We actually did it in-house. I think okay. it was Victor together with I and Marcus Carlson Frost, who fiddled around internally with support from Junk Boy because he made the original logo type. So that was the conversation. But then we worked very, very close with Michael. But we actually made it in-house because we felt like that needs to be done by us. I don't know, some artistic pride or, you know, keep it close. But obviously also Michael helped out finishing the finishing touches and final art on that part was made by both. Got it. And how difficult or how easy was it to get it approved for change internally? Was there a lot of resistance? Was it more embraced? Like, yes, let's modify it just enough to take it into the next century or the next 100 years. To be super honest, it was a mixed bag. We had to run it with different teams. But I think ultimately, like Jens really liked it and he understood the evolution and the logic. He's a very, very logical-based person. People saw the elegance of the setup and they accepted it, although it was a bit different. I'd say the, the most difference actually exists on the lower part, not so much on the upper part of it. 
took some time and a little bit of uh, explanation, you know, and then we had to go all the way back to grid systems to explain why we ended up here. In the end, people were quite supportive. Some people didn't like it, but that's fine. I mean, people are different and aesthetics are, there's as many opinions as there are human beings on the planet, basically, regarding aesthetics. I have to say that I tend to get scared if everybody loves something. Like, <laughs> you almost like want that there is like a group of people that say, oh, I, I really don't know. Yeah, it's usually that friction mm -hmm. that yields better work. It's just like, it's not an easy sell, it's not a hard sell, but just somewhere in between that forces you to make better decisions along the way. Speaking of grids, and this is a question for all three of you, there is a lot of grids, there's a lot of pixels. There's a pixel-based logo, a pixel-based grid system, pixel-based graphics. Did at any point you think this is too many pixels? And was there any exploration at any point to introduce different visual elements or visual styles? I know that some of it comes through the key art, as you mentioned, Martin, but was there any point where just like, maybe we've gone overboard with the pixel-based stuff? Michael did shitloads of exploration. But we do have a consistency. So as I mentioned, like our texture surfaces on the block is 16 by 16. So that's something to go on, for instance. So Minecraft has sort of a chunky sort of resolution attached to it. So I think for us, from a logical standpoint, was to keep it sort of chunky. I think that was the idea. So not as granular as you know some people would say. Kept it chunky. That was the goal. Coming from an outside point of view, Minecraft has such a strong visual language, and it was really clear to us from the start that we should fully embrace this pixelated look. I mean, that is and always has been part of the brand's charm. It's this sort of low fidelity, everything is so consistent, nothing breaks the grid. The brand all started with a block, and we wanted it to end with a block too. We didn't want to force a new aesthetic in there, or try to make it into something that it's not. Yes, there's many pixel-based things, but I think in a way it always felt right. Yeah, and I was going to preempt my question with saying that I think I know the answer, and that answer makes sense, because yes, you can't deny what's there, and what makes Minecraft unique is that pixel-based universe. I just wanted to say that we made posters that said, keep it chunky, and nothing breaks the grid, I'll be the first in line to buy those, those are great <laughs> design mini-design manifestos, <laughs> that sound great. I just want to share a little bit of our, our internal logic when we're dealing with branding, basically, from Minecraft as well. This is also, you know, take my boss, Marcus, uh, John Foy, and that is that there's a thing that happened. The Minecraft game is quite granular, right? The textures has a much higher resolution. But when we look at key art, it has lesser resolution. So the in-game graphics and the hero art doesn't translate, really. It's more of a simplified version and an interpretation of Minecraft. The hero art should look like the game feels. It shouldn't be an exact representation of the game. And that's also because if you have such a much information in each block, it's going to be hard to read what the scene actually is, right? So that is one thing that we thought about when we did the branding, talking about resolutions and the chunkiness and all that. Then there's also a second layer on top of that. Junk always says key art should be, look like it's edible. <laughs> that's why we have very high saturation in colors and we work with really bright colors. That is also like a logic that we took from the, from the older branding that translated eventually into this great work with Bold. But you just want to have that said so the listeners perhaps have a little better idea about the logic and how we approach this as well. So speaking of stuff that you got from Bold, and maybe this goes in line with the fact that it wasn't a typical designer-client relationship, but Michael, what deliverables did you end up giving the Mojang team, if any? 
the full toolbox, you know, working with them to create the logic behind what's needed and what's not. We spent huge amounts of time on the logos, also looking into the color systems, grid systems, patterns, consulting on things like photography. A lot of the art styles, like the key art that Martin was mentioning, is completely developed in-house. But when it came to more of core toolbox assets, that's really what we delivered. Got it. Now, Martin and Harry, with this sets of toolboxes, one thing I'm really curious about is what do you do with this now? Meaning, how many Minecraft communications are you generating on a daily or weekly basis? (laughs) And like, what are some channels where these things typically appear? And who makes it happen? Clearly, both of you have a hand in it, but speaking a little bit of the internal team Mm -hmm. would be good to hear. First of all, I think all the work is great. The guidelines, the assets. Currently, I feel that we have so much work to do now. It feels like somehow that we've just begun this journey because now we're seeing these assets being used in very different ways. Like we have collaborations, we have tactical campaigns, we have big top tier campaigns going out. So there is a lot to process uh, internally across channels. Important channels are like social media, for instance, that they need to work in that space. We do a lot of like different advertising. We do different advertising formats, mostly digital advertising currently. So yeah, that's really quite a lot. I used to have this old colleague of mine, Andreas Ruselev, who always walked around saying that your strategy is only as good as your execution. And, you know, like sometimes it feels like doing a positioning or an identity sketch or a logo. It feels almost like the easy part. The real trick comes when it's supposed to go live, where you're actually with those assets, with your templates and actualizing the position you want to take on your mark. I think there we have quite a lot of work to do, as these kind of rebrandings tend to have. Part of this work is also going into our franchise expansion. Mm. So, you know, we're working with a lot of new partners and old partners as well. So, you know, a lot of this work would translate in, could be, you know, uh, box design, it could be new partnerships, it could be, you know, new ventures that you haven't seen Minecraft in. There's no secret that we're making a movie in Hollywood. Part of this work would translate into that as well. There are multiple arenas where this brand work will go into, but the brand compliance is going to take time because of the scale and scope of the whole franchise is huge. So, you know, we have to, you know, upgrade partially. So we're facing our old design and applying the new one as we go along. And it's super hard to do it in one batch, if you will. So it's going to be a staged introduction over time. And of the 200 plus people you mentioned working at Mojang, how many are dedicated to the design and implementation of the brand? We in the brand direction team, were about nine people in total, and that comprises of art directors, designers, producers, strategists, and the managers, basically. So that's us. And then we have a larger we're part of a team called the brand team, basically. It comprises of brand experience. It's partly social media or the written word that comes. And then we have consumer products and then media is doing all our live broadcasts or bigger things, really. So that's that. And then we have the game side as well that's also partially integrated with us as well. And then, of course, we also have a team in Redmond, USA, that is totally dedicated to this as well. We have five studios in the world, so partially, you know, there's stuff that we're doing that's going to have impact on our Tokyo office or Shanghai office or London office as well. Yeah, A lot of people involved, for sure. Right. Michael, is Bolt still involved in this facet of the implementation? Or are you like, it's not my problem now, and you guys figure it out? 
No, no, we're we're still working on a, a number of things together now. And you know, even though we've done a huge amount of work up until this point, it feels like we've just scratched the surface. I think the project initially was about stripping things down, getting to the core of what makes Minecraft Minecraft, and then building it back up as a scalable system. Whether it's the way the identities work or the way that we approach logos, everything needs to be both function for today and exist for whatever may come tomorrow. Feels like now we've laid a solid groundwork, but we're also kind of at the starting line in many ways. There's quite a lot, I think, left to be done and a lot of exciting new projects that we're working on. Speaking of excitement, what was the most exciting aspect of working on this for each of you? I was thinking about this earlier today. I remember Michael Jordan said that the best thing of the 92 Olympics was the camaraderie and the matches they had between the official games. And somehow, like, I feel a little bit like that when it comes to this work. We had such a great team spirit, like, on both sides. And we had so good sessions talking about everything from brand strategy to architecture to hierarchies to logo grids and, <laughs> and lockups. I think that time is super special to me. And that was really one of the big things. And then, of course, the outcome and the great response we've had, for instance, on your website, and people writing really nice messages when we launched the work. That was really special to me. In your analogy of the dream team, who are you in regards to the process? Like a Magic Johnson, maybe? <laughs> no, no, no I was, yeah. I'm the dude that bought the water bottles. Christian Leitner, yeah. the college guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Martin, how about you? You're working with talents, but I think Harry is very humble here. It's a statement. <laughs> Working with great talent, I'd say, and also expanding your mind. Usually when I you know, approach creative work, I like to innovate at some point, you know, and I really think we did, but kept it true to what we are. And also, this is not a three-man show. This is a lot of people have been engaged through, you know, from Stockholm to US to Japan, everywhere, basically. Super grateful for all the support and the talent and people's wholeheartedly support to, you know, transform this brand into something new so we can bring this into the future and also be able to scale as we go. That's been a, quite an amazing thing, really, and very rewarding, to say the least. It may be a bit of a life changer, I think, and I'm not saying it's likely. It's been, been a truly rewarding experience. Yeah, I can imagine that being, it's your job, but it also becomes so much a part of you that you become emotionally attached beyond just trying to get results in the market. Michael, how about for you? There's a few things that stand out for me. I mean, one is what Harry mentioned, and I think also Martin, that it was a really nice experience getting to work collaboratively like this and really get integrated into the team and into the company instead of being sort of the agency standing on the sidelines looking in. That was an exciting and fun experience to see things from both sides of the fence in a way. Also, as someone who does play the game, of course, it's always nice to see your work out in the wild, especially when you go home, turn on the computer, it pops up. You know, that's always a nice moment. And I think just the designer in me was really excited about how systematic everything can be in a project like this, working on the system behind the logos and how do you create something scalable at this magnitude in a very nerdy way, something that's exciting for me. This has been wonderful to hear, and I think the reasons why you're all excited about how this project turned out, it's evident in the final product. I think there's something really amazing about how Minecraft this feels, like it doesn't feel like it's trying to 
like it's not the most popular shooter game it's not fortnite it's not super mario it's minecraft it has stayed minecraft and it has that quirky chunky charm that is what has made it exciting for more than 200 million people it is now poised to attract hopefully for you another 200 million people down the road I can't wait to watch the movie with my kids, which I'm sure they will want to see. Thank you, Harry, Martin, and Michael for joining me on the follow-up today. Thanks so much. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. One of the key takeaways from this conversation, and something that summed up the design approach nicely came from Michael, who shared how this was an exercise in creating structure without limiting creativity and making things function without stripping away the fun. Structure and function may stand as opposites to creativity and fun, but Mojang Studios and Bold somewhere found a way to bring those traits together into a structurally creative and functionally fun identity. This at a time when, as Martin said, Minecraft is setting out to be more than just a game. Which is true, because ultimately, Minecraft is also literally a state of being. Today, thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll be here. We hope you'll be there.